It's time for the Rich Life Retirement Show, brought to you by retirement professional and Wall Street Journal best-selling author, Bo Henderson. This is the one place committed to helping you navigate all aspects of a successful, meaningful, and fulfilling retirement. Let's get started. Here's Bo Henderson and Bill Maine. Back at it again. Yes, Bill Maine with Bo Henderson. Bo, you doing well today? Doing good, Bill. How's it going? Fantastic, fantastic. I guess you should be asking you how it's going because uh, you've been busy this week. You've had some more chances to get out and do that Retirement Tour 2020. What are folks uh, telling you? What are you seeing out there? You know, I'm seeing, we were up in, at Lumpkin County Community Center this past Saturday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Okay. Wow, you've been a busy run. Yeah, yeah and we, we had a lot of people showing up. And what uh, what I'm seeing is people are ready to start getting out and a lot of um, seeing seeing how things can change this year and some concerns with what's going to change in the future, you yeah. know, election-wise and, and otherwise. Uh, people are ready to get serious about, hey, I need to get my stuff set up. Yeah. So they're coming out asking good questions, and we had a good turnout. Too much time on the sidelines, people getting antsy, and that's a good thing because they really, this is not something you can afford to put off. Well, it gives you time to think about it or at least think, you know what, I need to address this. Exactly, exactly. Well, hey, we're going to address some of that today on the program. For example, we're going to be talking about signs that you uh, are in danger of running out of money in retirement. Ooh, I don't like the sound of that. Also going to try to clear up a major misconception about working during retirement. And we're going to tell you why Joe Biden's rising poll numbers are keeping some financial advisors very busy. All right, but first, I want to jump into this. Going to take you back in time. Get in the Wayback Machine. Right. Ready? Here we go. Full time travel. Back to the future. I don't know. <laughs> but do you remember anything special that happened this week back in 1986? 1986. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was a. A young lad at that point. Okay, so just getting up and having the day to yourself was probably right. a great thing. I was getting ready for school. Yeah. President Ronald Reagan signed a major tax reform bill into law. Among other things, it lowered the top income rate from 50% to 28%. But unfortunately, it wasn't permanent. Since then, Congress has raised the top rate to 37%, and it looks like more tax hikes could be on the way. So I'm guessing this might be a good time to consider having a tax strategy for our retirement because that's one of the things we hammer on over and over again because, as you and I both know, one thing's not going away, taxes. And remember, in retirement, it's not necessarily how much money we've accumulated. It's how much we get to use, how much we get to spend. And even though since the sunset of of the Reagan tax cuts, it went to 37 percent, it's still historically low. And I know it doesn't feel good. Comparatively speaking only. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but the bad news is, and why the tax planning part of your retirement strategy is so important, is that we just have too much debt in this country for it. It's not viable for it not to be raised again in the future. Right. And, yeah. you know, 2026, the, the Trump, the last reform he did with taxes is going to sunset. So what we need to do is if we realize how well this works out, how long my money lasts is, is based on how much tax I can mitigate. Uh, we need to work on having a plan. A lot of retirement planning, unfortunately, the way the industry is kind of set up, it's putting money in mutual funds, diversifying. That's an important part of long-term growth, maybe inflation protection, but we really need to, you know, you hear me say this all the time, it's a little sexier to talk about that stock that went up 40%, oh, yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. It's newsworthy. Mm-hmm. Talking about taxes isn't a real real eye-catcher headline grabber, but it's probably one of the most important things we can do to make sure that we actually are doing the very best we can do with our with our money that we have. Well, I think you make a good point, and it's not just putting all your, your to use an overused cliche, uh, putting all your eggs in one basket. You've got to have a strategy that, that puts your money in different places to help mitigate taxes, to help put, look for aggressive, gro- you know, uh, really aggressive growth, but you want some of it in safety. 
Right. And there's different buckets that we, there's different kinds of tax money. You can diversify your tax strategy. We can have pre-tax money in 401ks. We can have tax-free money in Roth IRAs. You can have after-tax money in things like brokerage, brokerage accounts. And how much of each of those we draw, there's some strategy you can do. It might be a different combination of what we draw from each of those buckets to make sure our taxes are as low as possible in a given year in retirement. So it's, there's a lot more to it than a lot of people put into it. And again, small changes over a 20- or 30-year retirement can equate to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, Bill, one of the things that, that's alarming that, that leads us to say we've got to plan for this, we were already, as a country, bringing on about a trillion dollars of deficit a year. Wow. You want to guess how many we brought on this year? Uh, maybe two? 3.7. Almost, wow. Almost quadruple. My goodness. So thank you, coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> yeah, right? we appreciate that. The gift that keeps on taking. Right. So so that's <laughs> that's the thing is taxes we just don't want to ignore because that's one of those little thieves that if not dealt with, we we could we could unintentionally be that scenario. We run out of money and we still have ten or fifteen years left to go. Right. What is it they say the 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 uh, death of a thousand cuts? Yeah. That's They're it. not big cuts, but the little bitty slices after a while Over you believe it. Over time you. So that that's sure. a good question is is when it, when it comes to my retirement strategy. Do I have a tax strategy as part of my retirement strategy? And if not, let's make a note that needs to be addressed. All right. Very good. Uh, Now, I read something on the street website, and it gives me a a new perspective on the idea of diversification. It said that people assume they're diversified because they own an S&P 500 index fund. But all that means is that your stock holdings are diversified, not that your overall retirement portfolio is necessarily diversified. And that's a really important distinction. Uh, talk a little bit about making sure that we have a true, well-rounded strategy when it comes to our retirement. So if we have the S&P 500, yes, we do have diversified large cap, large U.S. companies. Mm-hmm. So you have 500 of those. That's good. But we want we want more correlation with different kinds of companies. So we'd want a correlation with mid-sized companies, with smaller size companies, and even some international companies. And then you get into some fixed things like more like bonds or, or fixed instruments. So the diversification is having the more we have different areas positioned in our portfolio, the more we're able to take advantage of the different increases in different areas. Right. So overall, the more the the more we have um, diversification in different asset classes, the better we tend to fare over time. So so again, I think I think S and P yes, that's a good start for you're diversified in large U.S. companies, but we could even diversify further. Okay, you know, and we need to put it out there though, folks. Want to? We're probably sparking some some questions right now, and people are going, "Well, okay, I get that, but I don't really understand it." You guys are always available. Phone call, hit the website, and, and get those questions answered. And if you've got those questions, you want to email us. We'd love to answer those here on the air as well. That's right. Let us know. Go to richlifeadvisors.com. There's a lot of good information there. Uh, let me know. Uh, give me a call if you have specific questions. And even in this diversification bill, it's like we talked about. It's not just the stocks. It's what about those income assets that that we need to count on for our income in retirement? They're going to be a little different. And are we diversified there so that we're not forced to take our money at a loss, which is one of the big enemies of retirement is, hey, what if the market's down 30 percent, but I need that four thousand dollar paycheck to pay my bills? You're taking it at a loss. And we want to avoid that and structure that. You know, I think there's a concept for most of us, and you, you've kind of touched on it a little bit earlier in the program, the idea that um, we just save up a big mountain of money, mm-hmm. and then we start spending that mountain of money until it's all gone. Right. But with the strategies you've talked about, that's not really how retirement works, because you're continuing to invest, and you should be continuing to earn so that that pile doesn't go down as fast as if you just just spin out of that pile. Yeah, and I have a good case study for that example. Uh, uh, a couple came into one of the workshops we talk about, and they wanted to start their Social Security this year. They were ready to retire. He was 64, she was 62, and they had about $750,000 put away in 401ks, uh, okay. a nice sum of money. 
And their goal was, I'm going to retire this year. I'm going to start taking my Social Security, and I'm going to supplement with $750,000. And again, in the mind, that's a big sum of money that should last. And we modeled it, right? We mathematically <laughs> mapped it. And what we found in this scenario, and, and, it's, and it's important for me to say it's different in every scenario. We got, to, we got to track it. But in that scenario, if they started their Social Security, supplemented with the retirement assets, they ran out about 10 years before their life expectancy. Oh, ended. my goodness. Now, what, Better to know that now. But what's fascinating is we also ran a scenario where they drew down those 401k assets for the first four years, delayed their Social Security four years, and it lasted their whole life expectancy, 10 additional years, right? That seems counterintuitive. And it sa- and they actually saved $35,000 less in taxes. Same puzzle pieces. It was just putting them together different ways. And that's and that's especially when you talk about, because that's really where a lot of the savings comes from, is, is being able to, as we just mentioned, mitigate some of that tax. That's it. Well, and that we grew, so with the Social Security. Social Security continued to grow, but you grew that tax down. We made a bigger portion of their retirement income from a lower tax, mm-hmm. cost of living adjusted um, income stream. And that allowed their other money to grow and, and for the rest of their life, last the rest of their life. So, See, like I say, we had this concept, I think, that we're taught from early on. Well, you save a bunch of money and then you just quit. Well, and the, and not the, how it works. And it was actually a trifecta. The more I recall this story, so they actually doing it that way. They got $168,000 more in Social Security value over the course of their life. Their money lasted 10 more years, and they saved 35000 in <laughs> So those, when, those, when we run scenarios like that, we're like, that's the trifecta. You just, if you don't do this, I don't know what to tell you. That's, that, is, that is a great story. That is, and it just, it, but it just shows, as you mentioned, the math will show the path. That's it. You've got to take time to do that. You've got to be able to model that. All right, let's jump into this one here because uh, sort of in the same vein, uh, Reuters reporting a rush on estate planning appointments because of fears about the rules that might be changing if Joe Biden wins the election. Now, are there steps we could take now that would benefit in the event that the rules do change? I mean, can we outguess it? What's happening is wealthy Americans, they're scrambling to change their estate plans before the end of the year, and they're worried that Joe Biden will win the the election and raise taxes. And it's unclear how the election will go or what tax reform will pass, but it's kind of one of those things, Bill. It's it's right now we kind of know what we got. We kind of know what the scenario is, yeah. good or bad. We kind of know what it but is. But you can sort of predict it. Right. And uh, But there's a little fear of how it will change, and there's been enough hints that it will change. So what we're seeing is a lot of um, people coming in saying, you know what, I need to get my stuff set up. I need to get that plan addressed right now. And it's funny, you know, Social Security is usually our most popular topic that people respond to and show up for. Estate planning this past six months has actually been, been the top, top. People are really saying, you know what, I need to get this stuff in order. And it's not surprising in doing this as long as I've done it. Uh, I would say we're looking at 90% of the time when we talk about estate planning. It's if we have documents, they're outdated, we need to address it, or we never quite got around to it. So it's one of those things we all say is important, but it's rare that I find find somebody that has it buttoned up. You know, the one thing that I, I want to think about that, and I don't like to think about leaving the planet, but, right. uh, you know, I won't have a lot. I'll be honest, I won't have a lot to leave the kids, right. but the one thing I don't want to leave them is a mess of right. paperwork, not understanding and spending all their time in probate. Right. And and this this needs to be fact checked, right? But I did read yesterday that the the Black Panther actor that was yeah. Chadwick Boseman, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he passed away without a uh, without a state planning document. Really? That's and, and oh I'll gosh. verify that. But but I hear oh. story after story of celebrities um, with massive assets that just never, never got, quite around, got around, around to it. To it yeah. You know, you would think from the get go, but yeah. when you're young like that, you don't think that's you know, that's not you something you have to deal with. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that comes up too is that we don't think about is that. If we have assets, they're tied up for a while. So your family has no access to assets to deal with your arrangements, uh, you know, anything they need to do to take care of this this final arrangements, burying you, yeah. funeral and all that. 
I've had scenarios where family members had to borrow money from somebody else to take care of that while they were waiting on a large estate to settle. So. Just didn't have the paperwork in order. If they'd done that, it would have been a lot simpler. That's for sure. We are moving on through Rich Life Retirement. Thanks for joining us. We're here every Sunday at 1235 on WDUN. Bo Henderson's the man that answers the questions. Bill Main here asking the questions. And I want to dive into a little more information that Doug up this week. Susie Orman, uh, popular personal finance advisor. uh, But some people don't like her because she's kind of in your face. When she talks to people, but sometimes we need that sort of wake-up call. But uh, CNBC says that's one of the problems with financial advisors in general. They focus on shaming people rather than encouraging them. And I hate to put you on the spot, but just going to ask the question. What is your general style when you're talking to clients about their money? You know, my style, and I hope it comes through in what we do, it's educational. Is is let's 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 learn these things. If we learn the rules, we can avoid a lot of these mistakes. And it's really to be a partner and a guide in navigating this and working through that. Uh, and I know what Susie's talking about. There's there's some personalities that that's very popular to say, you know what, you did these things. You're in this situation. You're stupid. You need to address it. You need to hit it head on. And I get it. And I think it's almost like it reminds me of playing football. Right. It's like like with coaches. Different players respond to different things well. So so there's, that style works with some people, but other people it actually probably does some damage. Pushes them away. It makes them feel guilt and shame, and then that's not going to do much to help you get on that. So I, I like to take the approach of, of finding here's the positive things we've done. Here's the things we've done well. Here's some things we're vulnerable or things we could do better or improve. That's a much more positive light to me and much more motivating to to get to where we're trying to go than to say, well, you really blew it. Really yeah. And luckily I can help you. Right. Right. That's not the, that's not necessarily for, that's just not my a style that works for me anyway. And I just, I, I think the person that that would resonate with, it wouldn't be authentic for me to, to, to approach it that way. No, cause I've never seen you as that, but I just thought I'd put that out there on the table because you're right. And you, you play football and you know that the coach is going to try to read each player right. to motivate them in the way that motivates them the best. And you know, you've talked about before that one of the most difficult things that couples talk about is their finances right and if you come on strong and they're already not wanting to talk to each other they really don't want to talk to you together and if you come on too strong like that then they're going to shut down and they'll never get where they need to be and you got into this to help people yeah it is it's really to help people you're really looking for how do i how do i inspire change right how, how do we help facilitate a process that that inspires change and you're right with a couple that that's sensitive and delicate enough, right? Yeah, try, try, yeah. And, and then when you're saying don't get in the middle of that, when you're saying I'll be the third party kind of mediator in this, you're putting yourself in a really unique spot. And it really is. It's about in that case, you're trying to help people find middle ground. So if you come and say tell one of them they did something stupid, yeah, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah, both of them will attack you. That's at that right. Point. That's <laughs> right. Or one will say I told you so. Right. Oh, and then you've and it's then, all then your it's fault. Done. Then, then, you, then you're never going to see oh, them again. My right. goodness, not at all. Hey, I want to take just a kind of a quick tack along that. You know, when you're planning for retirement, you're looking forward. But wouldn't it be easier if you could look back and then adjust your retirement plan? You know, like that song uh, by Brad Paisley, Letter to Me, where he writes a letter to his 17-year-old self saying, here are the things don't worry about, here are the things you need to worry about. Unfortunately, we don't have that. Right. But when you when you deal with people like that, how do you... How do you get them to write that letter before <laughs> you see what I'm saying it, to it, project themselves into that? It's tricky. You know, we did a lot of work at our office with junior achievement and, and we would go in and educate kids in high school, Good program. middle school and high school. Good program. And the goal was maybe we can break this cycle of financial illiteracy and, mm-hmm. and we're not dealing with some of the conversations we're having with people when they're 40s and 50s and beyond. Yeah. 
and uh, it's it's tough, right? It's it's a little bit of a tricky situation, but across the board, what I hear is, you know, we should have started ten year, twenty years ago. We should have started sooner. We should have saved more. But the tri- you know the key is in life, we we get so busy with our career, raising family, that we we wake up one day and we blink, and we're fifty five, sixty years old. Right. I know that feeling. And, and and we're trying. Where did that time go? You know, I just yesterday I had all the time in the world to plan for this stuff. So it's really it's really more taking that philosophy and getting a hold of that philosophy. I'm going to be proactive and I'm going to be 100 percent responsible for my future and starting as soon as you can. But, yeah, if we could if we could go back and see, I, I tell you, I, I can think of 10 good decisions I'd probably make different <laughs> if I could if I could see in reverse. But at the same time, saying that, Bill. Uh, there were lessons learned in those mistakes, too, that probably have also affected the good things, too, of where we are today. Sure. Very, very good point. And, you know, that that's the thing. Uh, you know, when do you, want, when do you want shade, the best time to plant a tree for shade? <laughs> right. Ten years ago. Right. The next best time today. Same thing with retirement. Yeah, I should have started earlier, but when's the next best time right now? Right. You, there's still the question of am I set up, do I have a strategy to the, do the best I possibly can do? Yeah. And Or am I doing the things to get me where I need to be? And even knowing, sometimes just clarity and knowing, hey, my goal would be to retire at 64, but when I have clarity to know, realistically, I'm going to need to work till 66, knowing there's a peace of mind, even if it's not necessarily what you want, because you know in the back of your mind you're not just guessing and hoping that another shoe could drop. Yeah, you You can plan for it. You can plan for it. That's what this is all about. Rich Life Retirement Show, Bo Henderson's here, Bill Main with you as well. And, you know, we talk about expenses in retirement. You're going to have different kinds of fixed meaning you know what they're going to be every month, mm-hmm. variable, and it could change from month to month. We get that whole thing. Michael Fink, professor at the American College of Financial Services, tells the street that you need to pay those expenses with the appropriate kind of income. I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. Well, what he's talking about there, remember we talk about buckets a lot. We yeah. talk about that bucket one is your is your emergency reserve, kind of cash on hand. Bucket two is for your income plan. Bucket three is for long-term growth. So what Michael Fink's talking about here is that bucket, too, that if it's money that we call them fixed expenses, there are bills that we're pretty much going to have every month. Um, we kind of know what that's going to be or we can plan around that. We want that to be those the, a little less vol- little less risky or, or less risky investments, again, so that we hit that thing we talked about earlier. We don't want to be pulling income we know we need out of an up-and-down volatile market. So that's when you're thinking of things. You get into more bonds, treasuries, CDs annuities, that's sometimes you're having a different mix of vehicles for that kind of money that we know we need to count on than maybe the market, which, hey, over 10-year periods of time, we get a much, we get a higher average, but it also goes up and down, and we're the, the luck of the timing, really. Yeah, yeah, the luck of the draw, so to that's speak, right. in a way, yeah. Now, okay, along that same lines, when you think about this, uh, according to Go Banking Rates website, they came up with a list of signs that you're in danger of running out of money in retirement, which is sort of what you're alluding to in, in your mm-hmm. last uh, answer there. How many of these have you seen in your years doing financial planning? Signs we, signs we could run out of money in retirement. Yeah, I'm thinking of some, some, some mistakes we could make that could cause us to run out of money. One is not, not having the long-term care conversation, meaning what are we going to do if a long-term care event happens in our family? Now, the reality is statistically it's very likely. It's like yeah. 60-something percent, 66 yeah. percent, something in that range. Um, that there'll be a long-term care event. And it might be, when I say have the conversation, it might be we fund it from assets. It might be we go the route of spend down and do Medicare. It might be we have long-term care insurance. What I don't want to do is us get there to that event and not having made a decision on how we're going to handle it, Okay, whatever right. way that is. So Fair long-term enough. care. Right. Um, you've underestimated your life expectancy. We talk about this a lot. Longevity is the multiplier of every retirement risk we have. Mm-hmm. You know, 
interest rate risk, market risk, inflation risk, et cetera, et cetera. It the goes longer on you live, on. the more you got to have. The more we're exposed to all those risks. Yeah. So when we underestimate our, our life expectancy, here's the deal. In a married couple, one of you has a 25% chance now of living to 97. Whoa. That's a long time. That is a good little ways. And, you know, we plan till 85, and that might leave one spouse 12 years out of money, and that's not a great place to be. Mm-hmm. So we need to we need to pay attention to what life expectancy is doing, and maybe not maybe err a little on the conservative side there. Uh, didn't didn't really plan and think through healthcare costs. We talked about this for a couple about two hundred eighty five thousand is what's going to be spent in healthcare costs in retirement. Holy smokes! Didn't know that. All yeah, right, I need yeah. to start saving more pennies. Yeah, and and we talked about this the the thie- one of the thieves we talked about cost of living adjustments and and growing assets for for protection from inflation. Inflation will come back. I just was looking at something that referenced twenty five years ago, and things have pretty much doubled in the last twenty five years across the board. Oh, so if man. we get 25 years into retirement, we're going to need twice as much money. Uh. So inflation. <laughs> and then the last one uh, here, I made a little list uh, as we were kind of, as you're queuing that up. The last one, you didn't take taxes into consideration. Yeah, that's a big one. We've like, talked about that some this morning already. Sorry. Like that case study, right? We, yeah. didn't, we didn't see what would happen if we did this way versus that way. And, and it bit you. All right. We've got about uh, three, four minutes left here. And I, I want to get to this one because I, I think it's time to maybe clear up some myths. Mm-hmm. Perhaps uh, we talked before about how confusing Social Security can be. And a good example of that is a lot of older Americans would like to work in retirement, but they're afraid to because it means they have to pay Social Security taxes based on something called retirement earnings test. But as a nonprofit bipartisan policy council center points out, that's not a tax and they'll eventually get that money back. OK, my head's spinning. I didn't know about <laughs> this. What do they mean? You know, what happens is. Full retirement age for everybody in this country now is, is between 66 and 67 years old, determined by your, your date of birth, okay. your birth year. Yeah. Uh, so if you retire before that full retirement age and claim your Social Security, which you can claim as early as age 62 for an individual benefit. So if I cl- say your benefit is 66 years old. So if I claim anywhere before 66 this year, and it's going to go up slightly next year and I actually have those numbers, but as of 2020, you can only make $18,240 if you're claiming your benefit or the or Social Security is going to withhold a dollar of that benefit for every two dollars you make above that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what could happen if you didn't know that rule? I had a guy come into one of our workshops. He asked why he didn't why he didn't get a Social Security check for six months. That's what happened. He was fully <laughs> he was earning and just thinking he's going to bank it yeah. and they will withhold it. Now, what does happen is when you do turn full retirement age, that money is kind of worked back into your formula. So, so it's not like you lose it forever, but it is withheld for that period of time, and it should be considered when you make that decision because it's not – a lot of times I think people think, I'm just going to bank this, invest it, do these things with it. But if you're working earning income, that's a consideration you need to think about. But it's banking sort of on the other side of that. Right. Yeah, where is you and I both know if we could actually bank that, whatever we invested in would probably do better than the way the government's investing it. But at least you are going to see some benefit from that. Right. Well, and, that, and to the point of this, this article here, the um, – People get confused thinking they're being penal. It's a penalty. It's not really a penalty. It's just, it's, like I said, it's going to come back into your equation. It's going to be averaged back into your life expectancy at 66. But does that mean it makes sense to take it early? Because if you take it early, you are decreasing your starting point for the rest of your life. Do you ever advise clients if they want to work? Um, do, do you tell them, okay, this is all you can earn. Now, if you want to earn more than that, then maybe you shouldn't take the Social Security. Yeah. Or, or do you just tell them, don't earn more than that? Well, it depends, right? So that's the answer, right? So eight, it, a lot of times if somebody's How in How much money do you need? So yeah, if somebody's in that range, I say, let's try to keep it around that range, and that way they're not going to hold any of your benefit. Uh, but if it's a deal we're making enough to pay the bills and we can we can viably buy another year of Social Security's retirement credits going up 8%, 
A lot of times that's the conversation. Okay, we can afford to, and especially if there's a spouse in the situation, why don't we let that grow to protect the both both households in the in the situation? It's always an individually tailored situation, and the tailor is here, Bo Henderson, with us. If folks want to get in touch with you at Rich Life Advisors, let's send them your way. Sure. Go to richlifeadvisors.com. We're on Jesse Jewell in the third floor of the United Community Bank Building if you want to swing by. Or give me a call with questions and let me know what you'd like to hear me and Bill. Again, the word that comes to mind is banter. <laughs> I like the way we just we kind of go back and forth, have a good it's, conversation. I enjoy this. Right? It's fun. Right? Give me a call at 770-249-7424. That's 770-249-RICH. All right, Bo, going to turn you loose. Football's about to get underway. I know you want to get to the game. Let's see if the Falcons can get win number two. Be nice. See you, Bill. If you have specific retirement questions or would like to know more about Rich Life Advisors, go to richlifeadvisors.com. Or call 770-249-7424. That's 770-249-RICH. Rich Life Advisors, LLC, provides investment advisory services through Formula Folios. Bo Henderson is a licensed insurance agent in Georgia.